<laughs> I know your inner dialogue. You're all saying, yep, you look just like that. Hey, good morning, friends. We're super glad you're with us in worship this morning. I want you to turn to a few places in Genesis 12. If you need a Bible, we've got guest services peeps coming down. We're going to be in Genesis 12, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 21. You'll be able to follow, but jump in at verse uh, 1 of chapter 12. That's where we'll start today. We're going to be in Genesis 12, 15 through 18, and then Genesis 21 is where we'll end up. I want to invite you um, to use that video (laughs) with Dorky Scott on there. Um, If you're on Facebook, to share it. Um, Use it to invite people to come join us on Christmas Eve day. Um, We're going to have three identical services on that Sunday, December 24th at 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and then at 6 p.m. So make sure you invite um, your friends to that. And uh, we want to take advantage of the opportunity to get um, to... To, to preach the gospel in front of some folks who may not be hearing it every Sunday. So um, we want to take advantage of that opportunity. So easy way to do that is to just go on Facebook and share that and invite some friends. Hey, a uh, big thanks to many of you who have <coughs> uh, signed this gargantuan. Um, sorry, could you pick up Sharpies? Thank you. Um, this gargantuan thank you card. Um, Unless you're relatively new to us, um, first time or second timer, you may have heard us talk about Kim Clark, who was our director of children's ministry for seven years. She has stepped down to focus on taking care of her family and uh, especially her parents who are both quite ill. So we are um, doing a big thank you card um, with a bunch of kindly notes inside. Um, So if you haven't had a chance yet, um, we're going to leave this up here again this week. Uh, Feel free to start going on the back. Plenty of room. Um, So um, we are going to be including in this um, a gift card for a really nice restaurant. Um, Really amazing steaks um, at Ruth's Chris. I'm jealous. Um, (laughs) You would deserve Ruth's Chris if you were in Kidsmen for seven years as well. In fact, you'd say, uh, why haven't you sent me here yet? Two important things uh, to make sure you're aware of. We touched on this a little bit last week, but in case you weren't here last week, I want to make sure you know um, what's going on. Uh, Two important elder-supported tweaks uh, that we are making to our existing processes. Um, And just to recap quickly, I'll first give you a thumbnail of what those are. And uh, then I'll tell you uh, why we are making those sorts of changes here. The first one, uh, the first tweak that we are telling you about is that we're doing away with what we call 30-minute lunch, um, which kind of works. Um, We're going to be replacing that soon with a four-week training on Sunday mornings uh, called something like how we do church. We don't know yet. Uh, We'll let you know. Um, But it's four weeks on Sunday mornings about how FCC's structures and systems are designed to help you meaningfully connect with God's vision for your life. Let me say that again. This four-week training session um, about how we do church um, is going to take you through what we call our habits And it's going to say, here's how our structures and our systems are designed to help you connect with God's vision for your life. We believe something audacious here at First Christian, that the word of God and the church body tells us who we are and what our vision is for our life. 
Uh, and so that's what those four weeks um, are all about. Uh, we're really excited about it because we believe that this is going to be a real helpful way to uh, practically and meaningfully connect um, with what the scriptures say uh, meaningful involvement is in the body of Christ. Um, so that's the first one. Second tweak is this. We're moving back from two different worship venues uh, to just up here. Um, we've been doing three services in two venues, um, and we are fixing some space problems we've had with a, 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 actually a bigger, different vision than two different venues. Uh, we'll let you know more about that in the coming uh, weeks and months. But we've learned quite a few things from doing three services in two venues, and uh, we are adjusting accordingly. Um, so... We've added more chairs. Uh, we've got some further on uh, vision to tell you about in the future. Last thing, I want to slow down for this part. I've been going kind of fast. I just want to answer this question. Why are we a church that is constantly changing its systems and processes? Why are we a church that changes its methods? Valid question. <laughs> if there's anywhere in life many people want to not see change, it's here. I get it. I grew up in the fishbowl. I'm a preacher's kid. Um, before I answer that, please note that we change methods, but we will never change mission. Uh, one of our ministry filters here that we talk about on staff, um, and it sounds a little weird, but it's how we say it. Uh, we're married to the mission, uh, but we date methods. <laughs> I'm glad y'all thought that was funny. <laughs> First service was just kind of like, Nope. <laughs> and those funny duddies down there were like, not funny at all. Uh, we are very clear and intentional about what we do and why we do it. Um, so we will change methods, but we will never change missions. So here's why we're a church that is constantly changing. Two big picture reasons. We could talk about details and, and those kinds of things all day long. I would love to. I love to talk shop. We can do that afterwards. Two big picture reasons. Number one, we believe that we at FCC are uniquely called and well positioned for some growth for the sake of the gospel in Greene County. Uh, long story short, uh, we're growing in what I'm going to call a declining industry. And we believe something fairly audacious, namely that God has called and positioned us uh, to do something significant for the sake of the gospel in Greene County. Um, so we're not about to start saying no to God's provision and call for us. That's the first reason. Num number two, and I think this is the most important reason, um, and, and I want to reframe this why question uh, this particular way. Our mission is helping people find and follow Jesus. This means we are about people. Our mission is people. We're in the people business. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's how we state what we call the Great Commission. Jesus' final command to the believers to carry on the work of helping people find and follow him. Which means that we want to answer this question, why, by just <laughs> changing one letter. Change the why to an O. We answer why with a who. You want to know why we change what we need to change? Just ask the question, who? Who are you helping find and follow Jesus? And what do you need to do to help them? Who in your family are you praying receives Christ? 
Who at work do you pray for and you wonder, how can I turn this conversation into an opening for me to tell the story of God's work in my life through Jesus? So simply, who is your why? Because when you have a who, you will understand why. Now, I know at this point it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book. (laughs) But when you have a who, then you will understand why. Conversely, if you do not have a who, you may not understand why. It goes even deeper. If you want to know how to have a who, what do you do? You make whatever changes you need to make in your life in intentional and practical ways so that you have who's that answer your why. Thank you. (laughs) People are our mission. So we answer why with whose. Because we're about helping people. We're about helping people find and follow Jesus. And that ain't going to change. All right, now that we're preaching, let's pray and get into the Word. Father in heaven, we submit ourselves to the authority of your Holy Word in our lives, asking that you would continue to, to show us who you've called us to be, to lead us in the process of faith, um, so that your provision, that your promise... Would be something we say yes to. Even when it feels like there are roadblocks and frustrations. Lord, give us instruction. Teach us what it means to follow so that uh, we would be part of your kingdom work of helping people follow you with their whole hearts. Lord, forgive us for the self-directed project of self-satisfaction. When you have made it clear that our joy is found in saying yes to your mission of glorifying yourself through your Son, Jesus. Lord, we submit ourselves anew to that mission in our lives, asking that you would uh, teach us from your word today. Shape us as we submit ourselves to the authority of your work in our lives to the Holy Spirit that moves in us and makes us new. In the name of your Son, Jesus, amen. So what were you expecting is uh, the name of our current series. And uh, we're assuming throughout this series that God gave us the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying. This is why you were made. This is why we were made to be fruitful and and multiply. We talked about that a little bit last week. It comes from Genesis 1:26 through 28, where God first commands Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. It's the first thing he says to Adam and Eve. He says, do what I've been doing in my work of creation. Produce goodness and godliness. Now, of course, we know now that comes through the Holy Spirit's work and we can't produce it in and of ourselves. But, but that's how you fulfill your purpose and you find satisfaction and joy in life by being fruitful and multiplying for the sake of the goodness and the glory of God being made known. So God gave us the purpose of being fruitful and multiplying. 
That's why we say we're in the business of helping people find and follow Jesus. We're about producing producers. We don't have a lot of interest in coddling people who want to manipulate horizontal relationships or church programs for the sake of their own glory. We're about producing producers. Now, that purpose of producing godliness comes, (laughs) it comes with a promise. It comes with a promise that also comes with God's provision. That purpose comes with the promise of provision. Lots of peas. <laughs> Let's see how this works in the lives of Abraham and Sarah. Look at Genesis 12 with me. Got a lot of Bible to get through here. So join me in Genesis 12. And let's see how this promise of God's provision works for Abraham and Sarah. It says this, Genesis 12, starting at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, this is Abraham eventually. His name is Abraham. It says Abram at this point. You'll see why later on. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, three yours there. Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. These are your people. They were your people. Let me show you where I'm taking you. Major act of faith here. Abram doesn't even know where he's going. He doesn't even know where he's going. And God says, uh, go and I'll show you where you're going. While you're going, I will be your map. It's called faith, Abraham. So follow my lead and I will fulfill my purpose in providing for you along the way. Just follow my lead. I will make you fruitful and you will be fulfilled. You will find your joy, peace and contentment as you say yes to me leading you. Major act of faith that is the template for all of the life of following God afterwards. So so it says this, go Verse 1, from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land, I will show you. Verse 2, and I will make of you a great nation. If you just listen to me, follow me, I'll tell you where to go. I will make of you a great nation. Pretty big promise. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Pretty big promise. So that you will be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Being fruitful means being generous with what God's provided for you, for Abram in this uh, in this circumstance with Abram and his family, being generous with what God's provided for you so that you can provide for others in a way that mirrors God's provision for you. Blessed to be a blessing. Helping people find and follow Jesus. Producing producers. And God says, if you will do this, I'll take care of you. You don't have to know all the details. You can't know the details, you type A freakazoids. You can't know the details. Uh, speaking to myself. Because... I am the means of the production and your joy and your satisfaction. If you'll just say yes and follow and just kind of stop being in control (laughs) and sort of be quiet and let me lead you. That's kind of the transaction that's going on here between Abram and God. So he says, I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse. I've got your back. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So this purpose of being fruitful and multiplying comes with the promise of the provision. And God says, essentially, I'm going to do it for you. You just kind of be quiet and let me do it. All right. Now, here's the tension. (laughs) This is the complicating factor in life. In Abram's life, just like in ours, there are roadblocks 
along the way. Frustrations, things that don't work. Uh, my, the, the curse is real in that my work doesn't work. And so there are roadblocks that cause us to question God's promise of provision. The frustrations of life cause us to, to question God's provision. Okay, This is what begins to happen for them. Jump forward in Genesis here to verse uh, 1 of chapter 15. Genesis 15, we'll go 15, 16, 17, 18. So be ready, we're going to fly. Genesis 15, 1 through 4. In Abram's life, like ours, roadblocks that cause us to question God's promise of provision. It says this, verse 1. After these things, after many years of God providing for Abram and his family, mostly in material terms, they've settled in the land, they have more than they could possibly need, and they're very blessed materially. After those things, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. I've got this. I'm going to do what I said. But Abram said, verse 2, roadblock, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. Uh, And at this point, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, probably a trusted servant within Abram's own household. And Abram said, behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Friendly reminder, Lord, uh, that whole promise thing about my children becoming a great nation, uh, that hasn't yet happened. (laughs) It's beginning to feel to Abram like it does to us, like this story of the promise is uh, not going anywhere. And it's certainly not going where we would expect or where we would hope or we would think, you know, God has for us to go. That begins to be the case here for them. But God tries to reassure him. Look at verse 4. Behold... And the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. I tried to tell you. Listen to me. Your very own son, your genes, your very own son shall be your heir. Now, friends, sometimes it's hard to take God at his word when what we are experiencing feels like the opposite of blessing. Duh. It's hard to take God at his word sometimes when what we are experiencing feels like the opposite of blessing and feels like roadblocks. So we begin to question, what is this purpose? What is this plan? What is this promise? And whatever you're providing isn't getting me there. So what do we do when we experience roadblocks? I'm not sure how you all do this, but when I experience a roadblock, this is me, I create a crash scene that goes viral and I push on the accelerator and I smash through it as if it didn't exist in the first place doesn't always work well. I know that's not what all you do. Some of y'all are like, I'm going to bring the car to a nice, lovely, quiet stop, pull off to the side. I'm going to get out and I'm going to walk away as if that roadblock never existed. What roadblock? Either way, either way, when life becomes frustrating, we learn to manipulate our own way and find ways to achieve what we think God has planned for us. Because we're sure of that. We're sure. We're sure. We know what God has planned for us. In fact, we know what the provision looks and feels like. And so we develop our own vision and we find our own route, our own route to sort of wherever we're sure God's supposed to be taking us. Thank you very much. Abraham and Sarah experienced this. Look at Genesis 16, starting in verse 1. Just a couple verses there. This is Sarai, Abram's wife. She decides to take matters into her own hands. She crashes through a roadblock. Genesis 16, verse 1. Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. That's a roadblock. 
She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. This is God's fault. You need to help me. So go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain <laughs> children by her. Okay, wait a minute. What? And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. What? So, Abram, dot, dot, dot. I'm not sure that's how you deal with roadblocks in life. So long story short, Abram and his wife Sarai decide they take matters into their own hands and they have a son named Ishmael. But remember, God had told them they would have a son of their own genes who would inherit this blessing. And he reassures them of this in verse 20, I'm sorry, uh, verse 15 to 21 in Genesis 17, next chapter. Genesis 17, 15 through 21. It says this, God said to Abraham, by now God has changed Abram to Abraham, uh, which means father of many, uh, to imply father of many nations, a father of multitudes. It's a way of sort of encapsulating in his name God's promise. So God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, which means princess. I will bless her. And moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Now, apparently, for some reason at this point, God's promises sort of became a joke to them. We don't really know a whole lot of the story why, but, but we know that somehow God's promises uh, became sort of a joke for them. Look at this. Verse 17. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Sort of funny, sort of cynical. Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. I've got a son. Make him the heir for crying out loud, Lord. But, look at verse 19. God said, No, that's not the plan. I've already told you the plan. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant. The promises just get bigger. As an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, will make him fruitful, and multiply him greatly. He shall achieve the purpose for which I've made him. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But, like I said... I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Now we've got an actual timeline <laughs> within the year, God says, Sarah's going to bear Isaac with your genes as I promised. Now notice here that God names, he prenames Isaac. Uh, Isaac's name means he laughs or he will laugh. This is a way of basically saying, listen. I'm naming this kid because I'm going to get the last laugh. <laughs> H- has my promise become a joke to you? We're going to see. We're going to see who gets the last laugh. So Sarah thinks this plan of God's was outright hilarious. <laughs> Look at Genesis 18, which if you think of it on the face, she's 90. 
He's a hundred. It's a little silly sounding. Genesis 18, 9 through 15. Uh, actually, jump in at verse 10. It says this, The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. This is him speaking to Abraham. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him, overhearing it. (laughs) But, roadblock, verse 11, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with her. Um, She laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year and Sarah shall have a son. I love this. But Sarah denied it, saying, I I did not laugh. (laughs) Then God says, no, but you did laugh. So friends, when we experience these roadblocks to sort of personal fulfillment, to what we believe the mission is supposed to be, to what the purpose and theory is supposed to be in our heads, our vision, when we experience these roadblocks and the tensions and the frustration of the mission not happening as we expect, what do we do? We manipulate our own way. We control our circumstances. We pervert truth. We begin to manipulate people around us. And when we do that kind of stuff enough in our life, we begin to understand that that doesn't work. We begin to stop expecting that God's going to deliver on his promises. And we run the risk of becoming cynical and doubtful that God is the Lord and he has plans. We begin to expect that joy and fulfillment And contentment is not going to happen. So we're going to have to make it happen for us. By ourselves. When you start to hit that in life, by the way, that's what we call a midlife crisis. I have just described the inner dialogue of pretty much any adult who understands the responsibilities of life. So what do we do? We learn to say yes to the process that brings us to joy because it's a process that God's in charge of and that we're not. We begin to say yes to trust the process that is for our joy because it's something that we learn is a fulfillment of the promise that he brings that we don't. In fact, we can't. This is one of the lessons in Genesis 21. 1 through 7, where God fulfills his promise to Abraham and Sarah. Look at this here. The Lord visited Sarah, as he said. By the way, when God visits, things happen. (laughs) Uh, Things happen that serve as reminders of being on the right path here. God's visits are moments of hope when it feels like you don't have any more motivation left to continue to move forward. So it says the Lord visits Sarah, as he said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken him, just as promised. So Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore him, Isaac, because God gets the last laugh. 
And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. I think this is a positive thing she's saying. She's begun to realize what's been going on here. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. In colloquial East Tennessee terms, who'd have thunk it? (laughs) By the end, everyone's laughing. (laughs) Now think about this. When God asks Abraham to leave his home country in Genesis 12, Abraham was 75 years old. It was a 25-year-long wait for God to fulfill his promise of a son at the age of 100. Listen, friends, when it's tempting to manipulate life, to control circumstances around you, to make sure you get what you're sure God wants for you, just wait a little longer. That's called faith and trust in God's provision that brings joy. When the frustration of unfulfillment, of unmet expectations, tempts you to force your own way to satisfaction, just wait a little longer. That's called faith and trust in God's provision that brings joy. Because God's ways of fulfilling God's promises are meant to form in us a joy we cannot otherwise know. God's ways of fulfilling His promises to us are meant to form in us a joy we cannot otherwise know. Because then we know it's a process led by the Holy Spirit. It's God leading us. It's His provision. It's achieving His purposes and His plans. And that's how we have joy. Sarah said it herself. God has made laughter for me. (laughs) When I was cynical and I didn't believe and I thought it was a joke. God has made laughter for me. He did what He said. And Abraham and Sarah experienced joy that was made real in learning to let God provide as only God can. Friends, let's pray. Lord God, we give ourselves afresh today. We give ourselves anew today to your purposes in our lives. Admitting that we have been amateur providences, that we have uh, taken control of our lives in ways that try to supplant your goodness and glory as the aim of our lives. Lord, forgive us for that rebellion and continue to show us what faith and trust in you looks like the lives of those who have gone before uh, so that we would achieve uh, 
as we follow your lead. The promises that you have for us with the means and the provision that come from you so that we would experience the joy of knowing that you're a God who overcomes sin. You're a God whose power alone can give us what we would never otherwise have. That you've sent your son Jesus to die for us in ways that achieve and justify for us you perceiving us as whole and complete and adequate and holy. That you provide for us from your own resources what we could never otherwise have. We love you for that amazing truth, Lord. And we give ourselves anew today to this mission you have of our joy through your provision for your purposes. Lord, we humble ourselves to the power of your word and your spirit in our lives that we would submit ourselves to this process, becoming again in another way today with another step of faith who you've called us to be. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Simple question. If God's word